this is FD Talks, a brand new podcast series by Funeral Directors Live, where we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace. Welcome back to another episode of FD Talks. I'm Rob Davidson, and today we have, once again, we're pretty lucky to have Todd Carlson uh, here in the studio with us. He's Executive Vice President and Chief Sales Officer for Funeral Directors Live. Todd, uh, thanks for coming back. Yeah, glad to be here, Rob. Thanks for asking me to come back for another episode. You know, there's probably only about two or three listeners out there who probably don't know who you are in uh, the funeral service world. But if you wouldn't mind, just kind of give us a little bit of of your background in in funeral service. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to, Rob. Uh, You know, I started my funeral service career working as a night attendant in a funeral home back in the late 80s. So yeah, that ages me a little bit uh, while I was attending the University of Minnesota's Mortuary Science Program. So I, I got my uh, mortuary science degree from the University of Minnesota in 1989, and I, I worked as a funeral director to start my career. And then in the early 90s, I got into the pre-need side of the business, and that's where I have been ever since. One of the reasons why I do like having you uh, on this program is I, you're, you're kind of like my go-to why guy. Like you, you invest a lot of time in kind of trying to really see what, what's the why behind certain things. And I know that we've got some interesting things to talk about today. So, uh, and, I, and a lot of those are based on some growing problems that we're seeing in the, the funeral industry just over the years. I mean, nothing new, but um, you have some new observations. And I wonder if you'd like to jump into those. Oh, Rob, I'd love to. You know, uh, the last 10 or 11 or 12 years uh, at Funeral Director's Life has been quite a journey. And uh, we've had access to some very uh, interesting uh, funeral consumer studies. And as we've studied uh, the information and the material, we have, you know, we've been, uh, in which have been, we have attempted to share with the profession quite generously. Uh, we have noticed some, some things that have changed over the years. Uh, we have, uh, we've also observed the rate of change in which funeral directors are understanding the, the consumer and, and what they're doing about it. So I thought today might be a really good opportunity to talk through some of the things that we've seen, some trends that we've seen. But more importantly, I think we want to spend a little time talking about how some of the ways that families see funeral service and some of the way funeral directors see funeral service are quite disconnected. And the result of this disconnect is that we're unintentionally not serving as families as well as we could be. And in some cases, we're actually unintentionally, unintentionally causing consumer dissatisfaction. Can you describe how that would happen unintentionally? Yeah, well, you know, I'll give you a, a quick example. Let me back up and say this. I, 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 uh, when I was early in my, in my pre-need career, I, I got to spend time with the chief marketing officer who was brilliant. And what she used to say, and, and she did, I don't think she invented the phrase. It's probably they teach it like in for your first introduction to marketing class. But the idea is that if you want to sell Mrs. Jones what Mrs. Jones buys, we need to see Mrs. Jones through Mrs. Jones' eyes. The whole point of that is this idea that the consumer dictates the, the, the needs to the business owner. The business owner's job is to listen uh, and understand and, and then change to meet consumer needs. It doesn't work the other way around. The consumer's job isn't to adapt to us. It's our job to adapt to the consumer and really look at it from an empathetic point of view. So um, I guess in your observation through these studies, what, what are some of the things that you've noticed? Well, the big, the couple of big trends from 2011 study to the 21, uh, 2021 study that we released here about, about a year ago um, is, is the shift in the use of technology is the number one uh, change that is fundamentally uh, impacting funeral service, whether funeral directors want it to impact us or not. 
It's going to change the way that we serve families. It already has. Families are already made the turn, and we're just waiting for funeral directors to catch up. And, and so when we saw these our own uh, internally, when we looked at the 2011 study, we made some moves in our own business, Rob. Uh, like we like to say around here, like we're going to put our action where, our, where our, our mouth is, right? Our money where our mouth is. So what we did is uh, we took a look at some of the way that we approach funeral service, and we said we need to equip funeral directors to help uh, um, uh, help make the changes that, are, that families are expecting them to make. So we did things like um, invested heavily in digital marketing, uh, investing heavily in being able to help funeral homes tell their story through video and audio options, digital lead generation. Uh, we we, uh, we uh, have our, our sister company called Pasari, where we have a whole digital arrangement experience. We just made all kinds of changes in our business in, in reaction to these trends, and you know, I want to I want to get around to talking about funeral directors and what their response. Uh, we have some ideas for, for for pointing out some disconnects, educating on disconnects, but also we have some ideas on on how to, what to do about it. But the good news is, Rob, that the the results, if we make the changes, are positive. And yeah, change can be scary, but uh, just simply listening to consumers and serving them with the heart that funeral directors have, it's actually quite natural if we just pause for a moment in our business and to think through what we need to do. So I'll give you a quick example. You know, when we, uh, our company, you know, and I, I'm not, I want to dislocate my own shoulder patting myself on the back, but, you know, it was so many, you know, so many things uh, working together, but we made the changes necessary and our company is about three times the size as it was in 2011. That just speaks to the impact. And it's not because uh, we're doing something well. It's because the funeral directors have chosen to participate in this journey of change with us have benefited. And we only benefit when the funeral director benefits. Uh, that's our entire business model. So we only benefit around here when our funeral directors out there in the real world are benefiting from the services that we provide. Uh, you know, so I got to reflecting a little bit, too, on the from the funeral director's perspective. The whole system, if you think about it, has been set up to um, to play against the funeral director a little bit. You think about it, if you look back on the education that we receive in our mortuary schools, you look back at the training we provide our employees, we look back at the marketing or the technology or lack thereof, our facilities, all those things were set up to serve a, a, the previous generation of funeral consumer. And I think what we're talking about here in our journey with the, this educational information regarding the consumer study is how do we get the awareness out there about what are the big rubs, what are the biggest disconnects, and then give funeral directors some ideas on how they can make some real practical changes, at least in the awareness factors, uh, so they can begin to think about what to do about these changes and these uh, changes in consumer perceptions. I'm going to say it again, so I believe it. It's not the consumer's job to adapt to us. It's our job to adapt to them. It's interesting. I know one of the things that, that we always talk about is allowing funeral directors with the difference between working on your business and working in your business so having someone who can you know have provide an outward perspective and say like this is an observation that we're making because you're not going to make that observation of yourself unless something causes you to take notice right yeah and you know it's it's uh you know and you just look at other areas of of life and other areas of business rob you know i know you're a music guy right you know, think about music trends the music we listen to today is not the same as when i was riding a school bus to school every day in 1972 you know the music has changed those, those consumer preferences change it's not that you can't have nostalgic uh you know music and a love for that and a love for the old days 
but the but the the, the those trends just change and it in that those artists that have rolled with the trends have done well and and lasted you know you, uh, um, artists that you know and so it's a way that if you want to stay relevant you've got to evolve and that's the whole point I'm making here is that there are very very bright days ahead for funeral service if we're willing to invest in a little bit of change. Because I mean it's difficult to find a profession that doesn't respond to consumer trends. I wonder, funeral service has traditionally been traditional. So, I mean, is there, do you think there's been some uh, resistance in, in that just because of the perception that it needs to be traditional? Well, I think, Rob, just the whole idea of change. Change is just hard, right? And, and, and especially if you look back just at the last few years, the demands that COVID put on the average funeral director's business were immense. You know, the uh, having uh, you know staffing issues, and then we had you know funeral attendance issues. We had volume going up. We had you know people had to add, add live streaming you know services on the fly, and we were just trying to figure it out. And that comment about working, uh, you know, funeral directors were working in their business by and large during that time. But now that things have slowed down, maybe it's just time to pause a little bit. And to start thinking about those things that maybe were revealed during COVID that might uh, might have shed some light on some change. What we want to make sure that we do is is make sure that we're aware of these unintentional uh, ways that we're disconnected with the funeral consumer, so we can change that and to build the connection that we want to have with families. This kind of reminds me of a discussion that you and I have had before about the empathy paradox. Yes. That's, uh, that's, that's just really an interesting observation that somebody who's trying so hard to be everything to all people is just missing it. Yeah. Yes. And just to kind of re- re- restate the empathy paradox a little bit, the, the idea of the, par- the paradox is why do we have this profession and the people in this profession are some of the most caring and empathetic in the world? Why do we just sometimes miss these signals that consumers are giving us about how they want us to be served differently? And, uh, you know, so it's, it, that's the paradox. And, you know, we have this hugely caring profession uh, and hugely empathetic profession that doesn't always stop to be empathetic when it's looking at the bigger picture. So let's talk about those signals then. Um, I know you've got a few that you've identified and, and we're probably going to kind of work through today and discuss a little bit. Yes. You know, one thing that I've been doing over the past, you know, 12 or 18 months is talking to funeral directors and with funeral directors about the 2021 consumer study and and also including information about how things have changed since 2011. So we have two studies done in the same methodology asking uh, mainly the same questions and we're able to get really good comparison data. But the the 2021 study especially, uh, spending a lot of time talking about that, and it is crazy because I'll ask funeral directors the question, and I've done, I've spoken in front of hundreds of funeral directors about this. I'll ask the funeral directors what they think the answer will be to the question in the survey. And then I reveal the consumer's answer. And f- through this process of doing this with l- hundreds of funeral directors, just these disconnects just started popping off the page with me. And I'm, I'm like, it all kind of came together in a moment where I realized, hey, the reason why some families are, are dissatisfied when they leave the funeral home isn't because the funeral director is serving them uh, with a bad heart. It's that they don't uh, that they haven't caught wind of or haven't uh, opened their eyes to the change. They haven't been empathetic to the changes that families are having their own expectations. I had a very, very 
a, a great mentor in my life, in my business life, years ago, uh, said it very uh, profoundly, is that all of life's disappointment are the result of unfulfilled expectations. So we have these expectations. When they're not met, we end up disappointed and dissatisfied. And, and uh, so that's what we want to talk about are these disconnects. Um, the first disconnect I, I really thought would be interesting to unpack a little bit, and I'll back it up with a f- some of the data uh, from the study, is that, uh, the f- that, when I, um, that, that I believe that consumers don't understand as much about the funeral planning process as funeral directors think they do. Sure. So families come in saying, hey, we think we'd like it this way. And, and the funeral director thinks that the family knows the, the, the consequences or unattended consequences of their choices. Um, and my, my, my view is that they, they really don't. There's some data to back that up. Uh, what's crazy is if you ask um, the consumer only about, so if you ask a funeral director what the purpose of a funeral is, I say, well, funerals are for the living. If you ask that question to consumers, less than half of consumers believe funerals are for the living. Okay, so that's a, that, that, that can be a rub. And here's another question. We asked the question, if death occurred, would you know what to do in a range, uh, when it comes to funeral planning? Only 36% of the people that uh, in our study said they would know what to do when a death occurs. I'll tell you a quick story about that. I had a uh, relative die, uh, and matter of fact, I remember the call distinctly. I was sitting in the airport in the Dominican Republic, and I got a call, and I said, and it was from my cousin, and he had explained that his sister had died. And so I said, okay, uh, what has your family done so far? And they're like, we don't know. That's why we called you. Um, and, uh, and I said, well, where's your sister? And they told me, and I said, well, you need to call a funeral home. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that do we need to? And, and for a while, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I didn't even understand the basis of the question. Yeah. Uh, and then it wasn't that much longer, probably three or four months later, on a Saturday morning, I remember very clearly, I sit at my counter drinking a cup of coffee, and, and I get a Facebook message from a friend of mine from college. And his brother, they'd found his brother dead uh, in his brother's, in the brother's apartment. And I said, well, um, have you called a funeral home? And my friend literally said, do we have to? And think about that. It seems unfathomable to us in funeral service that people wouldn't know that they need to call a funeral home to get help. My, but my personal experience and the data in this study show that many people don't understand the process as much as we think they do. So we actually uh, tend to overvalue the statements or overweight the strength of the statements that people make because they're really making a lot of their decisions from an uninformed place. And, and so that results in some tension in the funeral arrangement process. I can see that being something, too, because if somebody comes in and, and happens to spew out a couple of in lingo terms that makes it sound like they know what they're talking about, that sets a tone that may not be realistic for the rest of that relationship. Well, exactly. But if you think about the source of that, that lingo, that's probably because they went to the Internet and did a quick Google search on how to plan a funeral. So they're coming in feeling more equipped, maybe even are uh, more confident than they really ought to be. One last stat I'd like to share out there. We asked the question in the survey, Rob, um, uh, is the purpose of the funeral to respect the, de- the, the wishes of the deceased or is the purpose of the funeral to meet the needs of the family? This will, might shock you, uh, but 10 times as many consumers say it's more important to respect the deceased's wishes than it is to have their own emotional 
in psychological needs met during the funeral. Ten times more people. 69% versus 7%. as almost ten times as many. And, uh, and, and that, if you think about that, that impact and what that means, um, you know, we, we really are dealing with a, with a consumer that needs our help and needs our guidance, and they need funeral directors to lead her to be a leader, to lead them through this process and give them great advice and to serve as a sound guide during the funeral planning process. So that's our first one. What, yes. what, what else do you have? Yeah, well, here's the second one. Um, it's, it's crazy, Rob, but consumers expect to pay a lot more for a cremation service really? than funeral directors think they're willing to pay. I'm trying to imagine a situation, how that would play out. Yeah, well, let me, let me, let, let's, let's just walk through this a little bit. So I asked this question uh, when I'm out doing my public speaking on this topic and with the funeral director clients that we, you know, we have uh, many, many funeral directors come through our doors here uh, for education too. And, and uh, so we asked the question, if a family, if you sit down in an arrangement conference and the family says, I want, uh, we want dad to be cremated, and I ask, how much do you think they're thinking about spending on the funeral? The, the range that I get typically is between $1,000 and $1,500 on that cremation. Now, the this, this study showed that the average family is willing to spend $3,706 on a cremation. So we're not talking about just direct cremation. No, well, the, well, the funeral director interprets cremation as direct cremation in many cases. The family's not thinking direct cremation. Um, and, uh, and that's a huge disconnect. So... Um, as a matter of fact, about 62% of families say in the study that they believe a, a funeral service is necessary with cremation. Not optional, Rob. Necessary is the word in the study. So um, so th- that's a big disconnect. And you think about it, you think about the impact of this. If, I, if I'm the funeral director and you come in and you say, hey, yeah, yeah we want, uh, dad wanted to be cremated because we're here to respect his wishes and not meet the needs of the family, so that's, that, that disconnect flows into this disconnect, then um, I, as a funeral director, start un- subconsciously this idea that you're here to save money creeps into my thinking, and now I'm, I'm making an arrangement from a faulty viewpoint, a faulty perception that you're trying to save money when all you really want is to have dad cremated because that's what he wanted. And what that means is we may not offer that family what they need. Uh, we know they need and they know they need, which is a funeral service with their, with their cremation. At least two-thirds of the time, roughly, that's what a family is actually expecting, and they know that. Um, the disconnect then becomes if we don't offer them what they need. Um, what I find is many families are having that memorial service on their own. And it's not because they want to do it on their own, but they, they could have easily been shown the value of having the funeral director handling that, and they would have easily accepted that value, and they would have easily been willing to pay for that value received by spending a lot more than the funeral director thought they wanted to spend. And the family's perception of having had an event like that planned by someone who does that for a living would have contributed to, uh, I think, a higher level of satisfaction. It's really interesting because, we, I mean, that makes sense when you start talking about how bright the future can be once we start seeing some of these, just these observations that are made. Oh, I know, and it's a time where I think funeral service needs a little hope. You know, we're beat down again from those COVID years and we're tired and we're short-staffed. But, man, it's not that families don't want funerals. It's just that they want them a little, delivered a little differently. And uh, sometimes we just have to do a better job providing clarity in the value that we bring 
to that equation. And uh, you know, so you know, the, but the big thing is, I think we have to we have to make sure that we th- we we understand what the family's really asking. It's uh, there's a book out there called I can't remember even who wrote it, but the question behind the question, you know, the uh, uh, QBQ guy. I think we had him here in Abilene to speak. Many yeah, years I remember ago. him. I just don't remember uh, his name. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would have been a handy bit of information to have for this podcast, but uh, but uh, I, I I didn't think of it till now. But his, he was really his whole talk was to get to the question behind the question that's a why question rob right mm-hmm, exactly so why are people uh failing to to make these connections and you know in some cases everyone with the best intentions but because i believe a funeral is an infrequent purchase for families that they don't know what they don't know and funeral directors assume they know more which is the first connect uh, disconnect and and then um and it goes on from there so uh, I think we, we create this chain of events that all of us have the best intentions to avoid, but we sometimes it's it's so ingrained in the way that we've been trained, uh, in the way that we work, and uh, that we don't stop to, to really ask our question about why are we getting the outcomes we're getting. Hmm. Well, Todd, it's been no surprise to me that we've heard some uh, pretty fascinating stuff today. We're just about out of time, but uh, I think that this is probably worth digging a little bit into. We covered a couple of the disconnects, but uh, I think that uh, our next episode, we can come back if, if I can get you to come back and we'll finish up and talk about a couple more things and then maybe some thoughts that you have on the results of these studies. Rob, I'd love to come back to finish up on the conversation that we're having. I've had a lot of fun today and it's been very intriguing. And every time I have the opportunity to visit about these things, I actually gain additional clarity. So awesome. I'll be happy to come back. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for watching FD Talks today. If you have any questions or comments, or if you have some thoughts on future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me at FD Talks at FuneralDirectorsLife.com. Thanks for watching. If you would like to reach out to us about this episode or this series, please visit us online at FuneralDirectorsLife.com forward slash FD Talks. There you can find information about this episode and submit any comments, suggestions, or feedback about our series. And we also welcome your ideas for future episodes. Join us next time on FD Talks as we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace.